Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. We're going to be in the first four chapters. Uh, uh, Chapters of the book of Samuel this morning. We'll start in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and reading a few verses by way of introduction. But this is Father's Day. I enjoy speaking to men. I find it easy to deal with the topics that men deal with. I understand the challenges that you face. I understand the struggles you have. I know what the, the joy of victory is for, for a man, that sense of accomplishment. And, uh, you know, not that I know your exact situation or, or what you're specifically going through, but I know from the point of view of a man, uh, things that you deal with, unlike that of a lady, which try as I might, I will never understand uh, the, the perspective or view of the ladies. But you know, that's why God gave me an amazing wife. Uh, he, he looked down and he said, you know what, it's not good for man to be alone. Amen. And I'm going to make him a help me because God knew what we needed. We needed that lady's perspective. We needed that, that wisdom that God gives them. And, and I praise and thank God for the wife that he's given me and that she, she helps me sometimes see things that, that I don't see. But I certainly can see things from a man's point of view. And I understand what you're dealing with. And I hope this morning to be a, a help to you. First uh, Samuel chapter 2, by way of introduction, we want to read uh, a few verses here, beginning in verse 22. Follow along with me as we read down to verse number 26. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all of Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also Men, I believe uh, if you stay with me today that you'll be blessed, but more, important, more importantly, I believe that you'll be challenged as I was in the pondering and preparation of this message. On the onset, let me say I'm thankful this morning and glad to be able to say that I had the privilege of having a daddy that was a good daddy. But not only was he a good daddy, he was a good father. He was not perfect. He certainly made mistakes, and I saw and was aware of those, but as I grew and got a little wiser, I began to understand all that my daddy did and how good of a father he was. You might say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Caleb? Well, I'm saying that my daddy took time to play with me, but my father took time to plan with me. I'm saying my daddy was a lot of fun, but my father was faithful. And I could go on, but I desire for the weight of this thought to rest upon your soul slowly as we grow into this message this morning as I preach for a few minutes on the idea of being a good daddy and a good father. Being a good daddy and a good father. You might be here this morning and you would say, well, I had a good daddy. I'm talking about the kind of man that consistently did those things that, 
made him a good daddy. I mean, he spent time with you. He knew how to have fun and he knew how to play with you. He would teach you how to ride your bicycle and spend that time with you. And boy, it was enjoyable. And he picked you up when you fell on that bike and scraped your knee. He was always there for you. And he, he was able to, uh, boy, he was always up for a trip to McDonald's. He especially always up for a trip to Dairy Queen or Rita's. That kind of a man, you know, that kind of a daddy. You might say, man, I'm thankful today I had a daddy. That I had that kind of a daddy. And what a privilege it is to, to have a daddy like that. You know, it's actually very common today that we'll have men who are good daddies, but they're not very good fathers. It's less common today, but on occasion you'll find some men who are good fathers, but not very good daddies. What I'm saying is that this kind of a man, he consistently practices the principles that make him a good father. What I'm saying is he makes sure there's food on the table. He makes sure that there's a roof over your head. He might not be the kind of guy that's going to get down on the ground and play with you, but he's going to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. He's the kind of guy that he goes to work every day at four or five, six o'clock in the morning and makes sure that the needs of the family are taken care of. He might not be a whole lot of fun. As a matter of fact, he's so little fun, you're even afraid to joke around him. But what I'm saying is he's a good father. He makes sure your needs are taken care of. You've got clothes on your back. He's the kind of man that did what needed to be done. And he took his responsibility as a father seriously. He might not have been a very good daddy, though. I don't know where you're at. I don't know your life situations. I know some have had daddies that were great daddies and not very good fathers. And I know there's been some who had good fathers, but they really were not that good of daddy. You know, sometimes kids, especially when they're young, they just want a daddy. They don't know how bad they need a father. They just want a daddy who would get down on the ground and crawl around with them. But beloved, if we're going to raise a generation of kids that will rise up and call you blessed, if we're going to raise a generation of kids that are going to love their mama and be productive citizens in society and bring honor and glory to God, then we need men that are both good daddies and good fathers. That's the kind of men that we need. I don't know how many of you here know the story of Eli, but we're going to look at him this morning and see that he was... A good daddy, but he's a very poor father. And hopefully learn from his example. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we turn this service over to you, as we surrender and take the thoughts that have been prepared and present them as best as I know how, I pray, God, that the importance of this would settle on the hearts of the men that are present here today. That every single man that still has the possibility of influencing the next generation, his children for you and for Your honor and glory, Lord, we would take with great importance the responsibility put upon us to be good daddies, but also to be good fathers. I pray you'd use this thought in Jesus' name. Amen. Eli was a priest. He was a judge of Israel. He was a leader of men. He was looked up to by the whole nation. 
For 40 years, he was faithful to the task of going to work every day. There's one aspect here of being a good father that Eli did. We see that example in his life. For 40 years, he was faithful to the job that he was supposed to do, appointed to him by God. He was called to be a judge, called to be a leader of the men. He had this job, and he did it faithfully. As a matter of fact, people trusted him. People looked up to him. Even Hannah, you know the story of Hannah. Even Hannah brought her own son to Eli to finish raising and train. People respected him and people looked at Eli and had some measure of credibility with society for sure. We know that Eli knew God, that he had a relationship with God. Would you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 8? We're going to be right here in the beginning of Samuel, but we're going to look at different aspects or parts of the story here. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 8, he says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. You see, Eli had a relationship with God. Eli knew God. Eli perceived that the Lord had called uh, Samuel. And you know, he says, hey, next time you hear the call, say, here am I, Lord. He he says he, he had a relationship with God. He understood that. Not only that, we know that Eli did not put up with sin with other people. Look in chapter 1 in verse number 13 and 14. 1 Samuel chapter 1 in verse number 13 and 14. We see here the story of Hannah. Where we know she comes in to the tabernacle and she's praying and asking God for a son. Her heart is so heavy that she's overcome with grief and she is praying fervently that God would give her a son. And we see in verse number 13, Samuel 1 verse number 13. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Eli saw a problem here and he says, hey, we aren't going to have this. You don't come into God's house as a drunken fool and and pretend to be spiritual. We're not going to do this. What What are you doing? Put away thy wine from thee. He didn't understand. He misread the situation, lacked a little bit of spiritual discernment here. But what I'm saying is he saw a problem somewhere and he says, you know what? We're not having this. He had a little bit of uh, tenacity in that regard, especially with other people. We know that Eli had faith. Look in verse number 17, chapter 1 and verse number 17. Then Eli answered and he said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition. He said, listen, God has spoke to me. God told me that you're going to have a son. God has granted thee thy petition. He had faith to express that faith to say it was going to come to pass. You're going to have a son. Obviously, there was no evidence of that at this point. There was no sign of that at this point other than the fact that God said it. And he said, hey, God said it. I believe it. He had faith. For all of this, Eli may have been a good daddy, but we certainly know he was a poor father. I want to give you several things that we see about Eli's life that shows he was a poor father. Look in chapter 2 and verse number 12. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 12. First of all, Eli would not or didn't direct his children. He didn't direct his children. First Samuel 2 and verse number 12 says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. What a sad commentary for a man who was a spiritual leader of the entire nation. 
a man whose job was to point people to Christ, a man whose responsibility, his sole responsibility was to direct people to God, and yet he wouldn't direct his own children to God. His own children here, they knew not the Lord. Can I tell you, Daddy? Can I tell you, Father, that you have a responsibility, a solemn responsibility, to direct your children to God, to point your children to the Lord. Eli was a priest, and his own sons didn't know God. His own sons were on their way to hell. He says here they were sons of Belial. That's sons of the devil. They were sons of the devil. Listen, Father, you got a job. You've got a responsibility. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. you got to bring your kids up. It's your responsibility to direct your children. Bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You, you know what? Before you worry about teaching them how to read, you better teach them how to be righteous. You better teach them how to honor and please God. You say, wait, wait. It's more important that they know how to read. Your, your priorities are messed up. You're going to have a really educated criminal on your hands. You're going to, oh, he's re- he may have the highest IQ in the nation. And you know what? Instead of stealing the car from the used car lot down here, he's going to be a Bernie Madoff and steal millions and millions of people from a whole bunch of people, money from a whole bunch of people. He's just really, really educated criminal. What I'm saying is before you worry so much about giving them that education, you need to teach them how to be righteous. Before you worry so much about teaching them how to write, you might consider teaching them how to work. Now, I'm not downplaying education. I think kids ought to be, learn how to read. They ought to learn how to write. But they need to know how to work. One son said, yeah, my dad was so special because he let me work in the garden whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> That's what my kids are saying. Teach them how to work. It's important. We've just got our priorities mixed up. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Listen, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Your kids need a personal relationship with God. You need to direct them to God. They don't become, uh, they don't have a relationship with God just because you have some spirituality. Just like you, it's a personal thing. You have to come to Jesus Christ and realize you're a sinner and that you need to be forgiven of your sin. Put your faith and trust in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross to forgive you of your sin and to take you to heaven. That's what everybody has to do that individually. Going to church doesn't do that. Getting baptized doesn't do that. Observing any type of uh, religious activities doesn't do that. You, you could go to church every single day of your life and die and go to hell if you don't have Jesus Christ. These two young boys right here, you can read the rest of these passages. These, these boys were functioning, acting priests, leaders in the tabernacle. And God says they were sons of Belial. You can be serving in a church. And be on your way to hell. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. They need a personal relationship with God. You know, beloved, I read something this week that's astounding. There is a 0.0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. 0.029% chance that your child will become a professional athlete. 
But there's a 100% chance that your child's going to stand before God. Why is it that people that call themselves a Christian will take their children to T-ball on Sunday instead of bringing them to church? Why would they take them to football practice when they should be in God's house? They aren't going to be a professional athlete. Where are your priorities as a father? Are you, are you directing them? Where are you directing them? What is it that you're showing is important to them? You need to teach them how to do what they're supposed to do. Brenda Barton wrote the Reader's Digest about a conversation that had between her husband and her son. Her son, her nine-year-old son, came, came to her husband and said, Daddy, Daddy, it's not fair. Mom wants me to make my bed. And I don't know how to make my bed. And Daddy said, well, you're nine years old. It's about time you learn how to make your bed. Where are your sheets? And the boy says, I don't know where my sheets are. And dad said, well, you ought to know. They're your sheets. You need to be responsible for your stuff. Where, where are your sheets? He said, honey, where are Michael's sheets? And she replied, they're next to ours. <laughs> and a couple minutes later, <laughs> there was kind of a sheepish, uh, honey, where are ours? <laughs> Can I tell you something? You teach a whole lot more by what you do than what you say. If you're going to direct your children, you direct them by how you live. You need to teach them what's right and direct them in how to respond to life's challenges. You need to lead them in the way that they should go, as the proverb says. Beloved, a father is a spiritual leader in his home. He loves his family. He is a self-sacrificing, unconditional love for them. He's honest and faithful. He's a, a model of integrity before his children. That's what a father is. Eli wanted to be a daddy. He wanted to have fun, but he didn't really want to be a father. Eli wanted to give his children everything, every uh, pleasure and every, every type of toy. And he wanted his child to have all that he could give him, but he didn't want to be a father. These boys knew not the Lord, yet they were still put into the priesthood. He was concerned more about them being happy instead of them being holy. He couldn't tell them no. These boys should have never been allowed in the ministry. These were wicked boys. First Samuel 2.17 says, Wherefore, the sin of these young men were very great. The sin was very great. They should have never been put into the ministry. Can I tell you what? As a daddy, you need to learn to use those words. Learn how to use the word that Mrs. Reagan broadcast all over the country in her presidency because there's a whole generation of mamas and daddies that didn't learn how to teach their kids to say no. You've got to be able to say no to your children. You've got to be able to tell them to tell them no. The sin of these boys was very great. Their wickedness caused men, the Bible says, before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. It caused men to despise the house of God. You know, when you act holy, but you live like the devil, it'll cause men to despise the house of God. When you came to know God, you better live like it. Now listen, any, any sinner is welcome at Hunt Valley Baptist Church. There, there is no sinner who is so bad that God doesn't love you. 
And if you'll, if you'll come into church and, and sit and respectfully listen and, and not disrupt the service, it doesn't matter how bad you are or what you're doing, we'll welcome the opportunity to try and minister to your soul. But if you're going to stand up here in the choir and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus, and the world before me, the world behind me and the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back, then you better live like it. If you're going to try and put on airs and say, this is what I am here at church and, oh, look at, look at me and I'm serving in this capacity, there better be something real in your life that backs that up. Otherwise, you'll cause men to despise the house of God. All I thought is these young men stood up here, boy, I hope that what they're singing is in their heart. I hope they truly love God and have a relationship with Him and know that they can rely on Him and they're not just putting on a show for church this morning. So many young people that have stood behind this pulpit and sang about the love of Jesus aren't even in church today because it wasn't real. You got to be real. It's got to be something there. He wouldn't direct his children He wouldn't discipline his children. Look in chapter 3 in verses number 12 and 13. 1 Samuel chapter 3 in verses 12 and 13. He says, In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. This is the prophecy that God said he was going to do concerning removing Eli and his boys from their position because of this wickedness. He says, I'm going to do all that I said I would. And when I begin... I will also make an end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and what's that last part of that sentence? And he restrained them not. He restrained them not. Listen, Daddy, no no daddy wants to discipline their children. Oh, we all want to be fun and games. We all want to have, have, have fun. Nobody wants to take on this responsibility, this job to be a father. Listen, grandma and grandpa can get away with spo- spoiling the kids. But you as a daddy are called to be a father. Amen. It's not your job to spoil the kids. It's your job to be a father. By Proverbs nineteen eighteen says, Chasten thy son while there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Eli wouldn't discipline his children, and they became sons of Belial. They, they didn't turn to God. They didn't know God. They were, they were making a mockery of the things of God. And ultimately, they lost their lives, as did Eli and his daughter-in-law, because they didn't know God, because he wouldn't discipline them. He wouldn't take his role seriously as a father when Hophni and Phinehas started acting improper as a little boy, dad should have turned into father and said, we're not having that. You, you don't do that. When Hophni and Phinehas first started becoming a boy, they began to be a little bit interested in young ladies and they began to get a little bit too close or, or tried to touch the ladies in an improper way or tried to get a glimpse or something that he, they shouldn't have been looking at. Dad should have come unglued and said, we're not having that. Uh, the, the body of a lady is something that's to be respected. It's to be covered up. It's something that's precious. It's to be kept for marriage and we're not going to let that happen. You act that way, boys, and I'm going to tan your hide. Chasing thy son, well, there's hope. 
oh, I know this world's philosophy is not that anymore. You want to reason with them. You want to talk to them. Yeah, Eli tried that. He was a good daddy, but he wasn't much of a father. A father follows a biblical example. He says in chapter 2, verse 22, Now Eli was very old, and he heard all that his sons did unto Israel, and how he lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle. You know, men, I was sitting out here in the parking lot in my Suburban, and Dr. Larry Brown was in the passenger seat, and Mrs. Brown was in the back seat back in February when they were here, and I asked Dr. Brown, I said, talk to me about pastoring. Tell me what do I need to do to effectively pastor people, to lead people. And he said, Caleb, I'll tell you what I was told as a young man. And I've tried to live by this. He said, you need to pray every day that God will protect you from three things. He said, pray that God will protect you from laziness. That God will protect you from lucre. And God will protect you from ladies. You need to pray every day that God will give you victory in these three areas of your life if you want to continue to have a ministry. That you'll be protected from laziness because it's easy to get lazy. It's easy to get looking at the things of this world and desire more and want some filthy lucre and to start going after money instead of going after holiness and serving God. And it's ever before the mind of man, this desire, this this appetite of of sensualness, and we've got to be protected from ladies. Can I tell you that Hophni and Phinehas never learned that lesson? And they were living wicked, immoral lives. It's likely that Eli was the kind of man that would get down on the floor and play cars with his boys. It's very likely that he was the kind of man that would sit at the table and drink imaginary tea from the tiniest of teacups if he had a girl. He would play ball with his boys in the backyard and teach them how to swing a bat and how to throw a ball and how to catch a frisbee. Boy, he was a good daddy. He probably would play Monopoly with them until the wee hours of the morning, long after them kids should have been in bed because he was a good daddy. He just wasn't much of a father. You understand, he was interested in having lots of fun with the kids, but he didn't want to lead the kids. He wanted the kids to love him. He wanted the kids to think he was the greatest daddy ever. But in so doing, he ruined them because he wouldn't be a father. He didn't want to fulfill his God-given responsibility to be a father. He did not want to direct them. He did not want to discipline them. No daddy wants to discipline his kids. It's one of the hardest things you have to do is your responsibility as a father. But you can't let them go. You can't let it go. Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14 says, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Now, if you haven't been in church very long, you, you just, just hearing that grates you the wrong way. You're like, What? I mean, you're going to spank him? Yeah, you're going to apply the Board of Education to the seat of learning. You're going to help them. 
you understand that it's out of love. And I'm not going to teach this morning directly on how to discipline your children, but I want you to know that as a father, it's a responsibility. Your God-given responsibility. You are to discipline them. In verse number 14, he says that if thou shalt beat him with a rod, thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. Hophni and Phinehas went to hell according to the Bible. Why? Because they had, they had a daddy that didn't want to be a father. He just wanted to be a friend. And he wouldn't discipline them. You need to discipline your children. I know that's not popular today. Mm-hmm. They want to talk. We see Eli doing that. Look, if you're there in uh, chapter 2, look, look down at uh, verse number 23. Eli talked to his boys. He was soft. He says, and he said unto them, why do ye such things? I mean, he had just heard about how they're laying with women at the tabernacle. Wicked, wicked lifestyle, destroying the testimony of God. And he says, why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings with all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear. Yeah, he talked to them. He tried to reason with them. But that didn't get through. You have a responsibility to be a father. But you follow the biblical example means to, to discipline your children. If you want advice or information on, on how to effectively discipline, properly discipline in love, there's a lot of things I can, I can give you on that teaching. We're not going to get into it today. I want you to see thirdly that he would not displease them. He would not displease them. I want you to see what happens when you never tell the child no. Look at chapter 2 and verses, beginning in verse number 13. Chapter 2 and verse number 13. You'll, you'll see this. And you know what? If you have kids in here, you have kids that are probably three years old or older. You will see this spirit in them at three years old. See, watch, listen to this. And the priest custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was seething with a flesh hook of three uh, tenth in his hand. And he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So this was God's design of how the priest would be taken care of. When people brought an offering, they could put it into the pot. When it's in the pot or the cauldron or the, uh, you know, those things, they had a, a, a particular hook that was designed. They put the hook down into the, the food, and what they brought up was God's portion for them. That's what the, that is how they were supposed to, their needs were supposed to be met. But look what he says here. So they did in Shiloh and to all the Israelites that came thither. Verse number 15, also before they burnt the fat, the priest servants came and said unto the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. You see, they came and they said, no, we're not going to, we want to we grill this meat. We want the raw meat so we can grill it. We're not going to have sodden flesh. We're not going to have flesh that's put into the pot and draw it from there. You give it to us ahead of time. And so in verse number 16, he says, and if any man said unto, let them not fail to burn the fat presently. And they take as much as thy soul desireth. Then he would answer, nay, but thou shalt give it to me now. 
And if not, I will take it by force. You see that spirit in Hophni and Phinehas? They're leading the, the temple of the worship of God and their, their needs are supposed to be met by letting God take care of it, just trusting the Lord, what was put into the pot. They had a hook they could go and draw from that and whatever they drew was their portion that God gave to them. But they said, no, we're not doing that. You're going to give to us first. And if you don't do it, we're going to take it by force. We're going to take what we want. That's what you get from a child that's never been told no. You need to get to the place where you displease your children. I've told you before, sometimes I, my kids ask me to do something, and I just say no just because. I would be perfectly happy for them to do that, but I just want them to get used to hearing no. And I want to know that they have a good spirit and a good response when I say no. And there's been many times that I looked at them and I said, no, you can't do that. They'll say, hey, all the, all the teens are going out for ice cream after church. I'm talking about teens, 15, 16, 17-year-old teenager. Can I go with them and have ice cream? I said, no, I don't think so. And then they look at me and they say, okay, no problem. Whatever you want, Dad. And then I say, hey, why don't you go get some ice cream let me pay for it. I wanted to make sure you had a right spirit. As long as you were willing to submit to me, I don't care if you get ice cream. It's just to see if they have a right heart. And if they're like, I'm so stupid. I don't know why I can't go. The rest of the kids are going. It's not like we're going out in the world and doing a bunch of wrong stuff. This is so dumb. That's a bad attitude. And there's something much deeper that needs to be dealt with just besides going to get ice cream. You got to deal with that. Your kids need to be displeased on occasion. You see, if he would have sat them down and said, I'm your daddy, yes, and I love you, yes, but I'm also your father, you're not going to talk to me that way. If he would have said that you're going to do what you're told or reap the consequences, if he would have said, you're going to love and respect your mother. You're not going to talk to mom like that. You're going to honor the hoary head. You're going to serve and do what you've been asked and do it with a good attitude. You know, I, I can't say it never happened. Of course, we don't know that everything in the Word of God was, is recorded. We certainly don't have a complete picture of their life. But I see the conversation that Eli had with Samuel, and I'm wondering why there was no conversations like that with his boys. How come Eli could have a spiritual conversation and give direction to Samuel, but not to his boys? I wonder if it's because he was too busy doing the work, doing the ministry, doing his job. He had time for Samuel, who was a responsibility regarding his work, but maybe not time for his boys. One time... President Roosevelt was in the Oval Office and he was discussing the matters of state with a friend. His daughter kept popping in and out, rudely interrupting. Theodore, said his friend, isn't there anything that you can do with Alice? Roosevelt replied firmly, I can be president of the United States or I can control my daughter. I cannot do both. What he was saying is it was more important for him to be president than to be a father. 
And sometimes, men, I think it's more important to be successful on the job than to be a father. It's more important that we take care of those things out there instead of be the father we're to be in the home. But we've got a God-given responsibility to be a father. We need fathers that are engaged, that are willing and okay to displease their children once in a while. You need to know what your kids are doing. You need to know what apps they have on their phone. You need to know what movies they're watching. You need to know what's going on in their room. By the way, it's not their room. By the way, it's not their phone. You need to, on the onset from day one, when you hand them a device, you need to explain very clearly, this is not your device. I want you to know that I have 100% authority over this device, and at any time, I can grab this and look at it. You have no passwords that I do not know. You have no apps that I'm not aware of, and it's not an infringement on your privacy if I, as a parent, look at it. I don't understand this mentality today that kids kick their parents out of their room. This is my room. That's wicked. That's wrong. No child should have that kind of mentality. It's not their room. They didn't build it. They didn't pay for it. That's poor parenting. Somebody needs to teach that child their place. They've completely lost all the respect for their mom and dad. To mom and dad, you should be able to go into your boy's room or your girl's room. Now listen, you got a teenage girl, dad, you need to knock. You need to make sure that you don't just walk in on your teenage girl. Mom, you can walk in anytime. <laughs> dad, you walk in on your boys. Say, how's it going? You got teenage boys, you ought to walk in on your teenage boys about 1.30 in the morning. They should be sleeping, but how many of you know you'll find your boy sometime up doing something he ain't supposed to be doing? Sometimes God wakes you up in the middle of the night. It's not just so you can roll over. God's saying, you better go check on one of those boys. I'm trying to help you. They're, they're, they're boys. Ain't been that long since you was one. You know. And in today's world, they can get it a lot real fast. And it's your job as a father to protect them. You say, well, they don't like it that, that I look at their phone. Who cares? Would they like it better if you took it away? I'll just throw this out. Listen, you parents, you're the parent of your child. You do what you think's best. But none of my kids got a device at all until their last year of high school before they went to college. They didn't have a device. They didn't have phones. Their last year of high school, they got a device so that during that year, I could help them learn how to use it with responsible actions instead of them going off to college and having a phone and nobody's there and they get to do whatever they want. At least for a year, I can kind of monitor it and help them. That's how I did it. You know, all you adults in here, you, got, you used to have to go to find a payphone to call mom and dad. <laughs> When you were traveling, you were out of town. When I was 17 years old, I got in a car and drove from uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas to El Paso, Texas. At 17 years old. I didn't have a cell phone. Mom and dad weren't sitting at home. Oh, no, I can't get a hold of my son this exact second. What am I going to do? 
they'll be all right. They're seven years old. They don't need a phone. You're just creating a whole bunch of extra work for you. And if, you, if they have a device, you need to have some type of protection on there. You need to monitor what they're doing. Listen, there's so many apps out there, I can't even list them all, but no kid should have Snapchat. The only reason for a child to have Snapchat is so that they can do something that you won't know about. Is so that they can hide it. So that there's no record of that text or that message. You, you should not allow that on your child's phone. Oh, but dad, it's so cool. We could text this and then it has these images that go with it and it has this stuff. And if all, all my friends have Snapchat, so text works. You're not using Snapchat. Tell them in O. Be a father. Stop being their friend. That's what fathers do. They displease their children once in a while. And one day they'll rise up and they'll call you blessed. They'll thank you when they're married to a beautiful woman who loves them and they love and they've both been pure and clean and they don't have to explain to their mate how they've slept all around as teenagers and ruined their sexual life. Because dad helped keep them pure. Or you can do it the world's way. Let them do whatever they want. But can I tell you that just maybe if Eli would have been a little bit more of a father, Hophni and Phinehas wouldn't have been slain by the Philistines in battle. Turn to chapter 4 and verse number 11. And the ark of God was taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Now you've got to read the story here, but they brought the ark of God thinking that was going to deliver them from the Philistines. Brought the ark of God on. The Philistines were even a little nervous about it. They thought, oh no, now God's in their camp. And yet when they attacked, they took the ark. And Hophni and Phinehas were killed. Maybe Eli wouldn't have fallen from shock and been killed. The Bible says he broke his neck. Look in verse number 17, chapter 4 and verse 17. And the messengers answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there had been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons, also Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. This is the guy bringing the report back to Eli. He says, your two sons are dead, and the ark of God is taken. Verse number 18, and it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off his seat backward from the side of the gate, and his neck brake, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. What I'm saying this morning is we all enjoy being a daddy. That's so much fun. Well, we love being down there and playing with them when they're little and and being a daddy and taking them out for ice cream and having fun and, oh, this is great. And, hey, daddy wants to give you this. We want you to have this toy. We want you to enjoy this. Do it, man. Daddy, oh, it's fun being a daddy. But we've got a responsibility to be a father. Eli may have been a great daddy, we don't know for sure, but we know that he wasn't a very good father. He didn't direct his children. He didn't discipline his children. He didn't displease his children. You see, those are things that the father does. There's times that you need to be a daddy. Maybe you're here and you're a good, you're a good father, man. You are a strong disciplinary. Man, those kids step out of line and you will, you will clobber them. 
Maybe you need to be a little bit more of a daddy. Maybe your kids need to know you love them. Maybe, maybe you're a really good daddy. There's no question that you love them. You spend time with the kids, and that's awesome. But maybe you need to be a little bit more of a father. This is a balance that we get by following the Lord, doing it God's way, being a good daddy and a good father.